Uh, I want to ask you a question to get started this morning. Ha have you ever thought about how much you're worth? And, and I don't mean this, I know we're in church, but I don't mean this spiritually right now. Have you thought about how much you're worth? Like, how much would you go for? I know this is crass. How much would you go for? You know, I used to watch sports games a lot, and I'd take a little hope in the fact that the players and I were about the same age, or I was younger than them. Uh, and I'd think, you know, I could still do that. I could still do that. This last week, I don't know if you pay attention, there's this guy named Kyler Murray. He's the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. He's 24 years old. And last week, he got a contract for five years, $230.5 million. 24 years old. So the guys that are my age at this point, they're talking about every time they get an injury, they're like, how long are they going to hold up? We're not, they're like washed out, right? There's this guy, Rafael Nadal. He's a great tennis player. I love watching him. He's a competitor. And he, he is younger than me now. And they're talking about, we're not sure he's going to make it any longer. Like he might need to retire. Unless you're Brady, 36, 37, you're done, Right? You are way past your prime. So if we were to go down this path, I want to ask, when are we worth the most? When's our prime? Now, I, I, I'm serious. Even in the church, we would probably all say that the prime years of our existence are those years when we're the most productive. So hopefully we choose a career where you peak later in life, Right? But we, we think that's when we're worth the most, when we're the, the most productive. So the value of our lives is shaped like a bell curve. It took me a long time to figure out what this is. I know it's self-explanatory. Imagine a bell, a graph. So at the bottom, you know, when you're the youngest, you, you imagine you're not worth that much. You're not that productive. But hopefully, you increase in value as you get older, but then you're going to plateau. And then you just go down and value. We could put some names to this to make it a little more concrete, right? Some people here in the room. So we've got a few teenagers, Ellie, or Liam's not here, but um, these teenagers are good investments right now, okay? They're moving up on the curve. Um, we've got some college students, Jillian, Nick, any others? They're worth a lot. They'd be good investments. You've got some young couples in the room, young children. They're going to be plateauing soon. So they're a good investment right now, but you want to be careful. You want to get ahead of the game here. I'm not going to mention any names, but some of you would think that you're like on that downward slope, like a double black diamond just going down the hill fast in value. No. No, I'm serious. This is how our world treats people. And we buy into it in the church. Even Christians tend to think that when God makes everything right, and when we're with him forever, we will be what we were in our so-called prime, when we're the most productive. Do you see how we ascribe value to ourselves and to each other? So we certainly won't be a young child, and we won't be old. How could that be? Is this how God thinks about worth? Is it? Does he love people the most when they're in their prime? Or is there something particular to every stage, a gift that is important to God? 
I want to look mainly at our gospel reading this morning from Matthew chapter 18 to talk with you about the gift of childhood. The gift of childhood. If so, if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to open it to Matthew chapter 18 and then starting in verse 1. In Matthew 18, Jesus' disciples are thinking about worth, their own worth, how much they each are worth. Their question to Jesus is, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? It's a question based on comparison. It's driven by ego. Who's the best? Who's the greatest? And they, you have to know, are anxious or anxious about not being the greatest. What if I'm not the greatest? And Jesus, in his answer, slows everything down. He's sort of like the parent that Deuteronomy 6 is suggesting that parents should be, that everywhere you go, you're walking with children, and you're going along the way, and you're using examples to teach them about the way of God. And so Jesus slows everything down, and he calls a child over. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you turn around and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a child like this in my name welcomes me. Now, one of the first things I wonder when I hear this is whether this is an especially angelic child that Jesus uses as an example. Like, he had to have, like, known this child and thought, I'm not risking it by using this child as an example. I know they're especially good. Because listen to what he says. Whoever humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know, I know all the parents at Church of the Lamb love their kids, but who would dare send theirs in to model greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Anybody? going to suggest that for their child. Anna's going to suggest it for herself. Good. All right, Anna. I like it. I like the confidence. That might, that might hurt me later in the sermon. <laughs> um, every child tests their parent, right? I mean, this child can stand up, so they're like closing in on the terrible twos, Right? Maybe they're not all the way to the threes and fours where they're outrightly rebelling, but this child has committed what we would call sin. And Jesus calls them in and says, unless you become like this little child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. How could Jesus use a child as an example for entering the kingdom of heaven, for following him? So the quality that Jesus singles out in the child is humility. Humility. This is uh, verse 4, if you're following along. Whoever them humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now we know that children were of absolutely no account in the ancient world. We know this. Many children, sadly, died so young that people could not afford to be sentimental about children. So at best, children in the ancient world were people with potential worth, like that bell curve, starting out low, potentially growing in value. In some ways, we have changed 
we have. Children are sometimes at the very center of life in our culture. So children are, are sometimes worshipped even and idolized in our culture. We have changed in the value that we place on children. However, I would not say that we value children because of their humility. Oftentimes, the reason that we value them is because they're cute. (laughs) We can in some ways live through them. But when they're inconvenient, we don't value them. Actually, their humility is one of the least things that we value about them. To be completely honest, a child's dependence threatens my independence. And that disturbs me. That's hard for me. Humility is about dependence. It's a sense that one does not exist on one's own, but is reliant on the help of others. If you don't have others, you don't live. The child, at least at a really early age, knows that to live, they have to depend on others. They have to. There's a story that's told in much of the training for Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, which is the children's ministry program that we use at Church of the Lamb. And the story goes, uh, and it's a true story, but it's become legendary um, through the training. There's this young girl who asked her atheist father, how did the world come to be? And so the father tries to explain the origins of the world from his perspective as an atheist. But then at the end, the father also says, There are those who say that all this came from a very powerful being, and they call him God. And the little girl replied, I knew what you told me wasn't true. It is him. It is him. Do you see, this sense of dependence from little children is not just on parents, human beings. It's also the sense that there is a powerful one beyond (laughs) that we are dependent on, that all things are dependent on. There's another quote that says, children get along very well with God. Children get along very well with God. Notice the personal and relational language that was inherent in the answer of this little girl. It is him. I knew it. She intuits a person at the origin of all things. The child receives a relationship as a foundational part of life. This is their gift. This is the gift of children. Even their sense of worth is not based on their own estimation. Children are are not trying to make up their sense of value. They're receiving it from the people who look into their eyes. Their sense of worth at the youngest ages is based on what they receive from others. Children mimic the love that they receive. We know this now. We've known it forever, but we know it scientifically now that the most important thing a child can receive is love, and especially from a mother. Especially from a mother. As children grow older, they seek more and more independence. But the gift of the youngest children, Jesus says, is their humility. 
their reliance on relationship. So Jesus then tells the disciples in verse 3 of Matthew 18, unless you turn around and become like little children, become little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, many of you know the story of a man named Nicodemus in another place in the Bible. This older man whom Jesus told that to know me, you have to become born again. And Nicodemus is so confused. How is this possible to be born again? Well, right here, we are back in the same area of being born again. So this become like little children, become little children, could be phrased as be born again as little children. Unless you are born again as little children, Jesus tells the disciples, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus, get this, he is saying that spiritual growth means that adults have to unlearn all their independence of adulthood and try to go backwards and become like children again. We have to take on the inward habits of children, of looking to others, of looking to God. To enter the kingdom of heaven, we must become humble and reliant people. I love the way that another person puts it. To become the princely child of the king of heaven with full rights as heir of the kingdom, a person must first become of no account in his own eyes and in the eyes of the world. You must not look for your value within yourself or around you from others, but you must look for your value to the creator and father of all humanity, of all people. So like the youngest child, we have to learn to receive our worth from another. And I should mention to you that this is exactly what Jesus did in his own life. Jesus is the model of an adult who preserved the gift of childhood, living in humility and dependence. So Jesus said that everything he had came from his father. Everything. And he said that everything his father had was his. So in the spirit, Jesus humbled himself like a child and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The beauty of little children is a willingness, a compliance, a willingness to be taken into the arms of a parent and led. I realize this isn't always the case. Just go with me. Jesus is the ultimate model of a child. He humbles himself and he goes with the Father wherever the Father leads him, even to the point of death. And so what Jesus is telling his disciples and what he tells all of us is that we have to unlearn all the independent habits of self-reliance that we grow into as adults. And we have to become like children again. How are you doing at being childlike into your adulthood? Are you turning to Jesus, would you say, at every moment of your life and leaning on him for his help? Jesus says that everything his father had was his own. You know, the wonder of being in relationship with Jesus is that that becomes true for you too. You become a sibling to Jesus 
And so you receive his father as your father. And so everything that Jesus' father has becomes yours too. Can you say that? Everything that's God's is mine. That's the wonder of being his child. Everything he has, which is everything, is mine. Everything. We're in this season, so, you know, I'm coming back from vacation, and I, and I have to be honest, we're in this season, you'll see in the um, announcements that we have a date coming up where Blue Line, the company that's been creating a master plan for our church, is going to be presenting to us, sharing with you what they have developed. What we've realized over the period of over a year is that all the aspirations that we had for the property are wonderful and good, and we had these desires to get there fast, and the reality is it's just a lot more expensive than we anticipated. I know some of you aren't super surprised by that, but there you go. It's really expensive. That's intimidating. What do we do when the plans that we have seem absolutely impossible? But God brought us here. And so I'm praying over this, even this morning. God, you know, a few months ago, I was talking to some of you about this earlier and some, someone this past week. A few months ago, we were outside freezing our tails off in worship. And we we're like, we, we've got to do something. Now we're sweating our tails off. And we're like, what are we going to do? <laughs> and so we're in this huge in-between place of trying to decide, do, do we invest in this so that we can be here longer, which would be a significant amount of money? Or what do we do about the significant amount of money that it would require to do something at the other place? And I have to tell you, the only thing that's comforting to me is that my father has everything. And that he is not surprised. And so, yes, there are big feats that we come up against in life. There are things that are surprising, that we don't anticipate. But our father really does have everything. Are you living in relationship with Jesus and with the sense that he is your advocate and brother and his father wants to take care of every need that you have? The gift of childhood remains a gift in every season of life. And so you should keep it with you no matter how old you get. <laughs> we are always to live as children in this way. A couple more comments and then I'll close. One, we as a church need the gift of children among us. That means we need children among us. And we need to respect children to be children. We don't need to condemn children for being children. We need to welcome them with joy as children. So I think that we as a church need to embrace what it's going to be like forever to have children in our worship service. We, you adults, if you're a part of Church of the Lamb, you need to embrace that you are somehow a parent in this congregation. Whether they're biological children, grandchildren, or they're not your children by blood, you are a parent. Be careful with that. Don't be too aggressive with that. But also, don't stay too far back. You need to be asking the biological parents here, do you need help? 
And I'm not saying this because I am a parent. I'm saying this to all of you because this is the type of culture we need to have as a body. We need to love children because we need the gifts, their gifts even within us. Everyone in this church, every adult, is to be a parent in some way. Two, parents. Look, I'm no expert, but here's what I hear Jesus saying. Be careful not to try to make your children become adults too quickly. Sometimes we treat children like they're just future adults, and we need to try to make them adults as quickly as we can. But Jesus is saying, no, there is a gift in this childhood. You need to see that gift, honor that gift, and you need to learn from it. The best parents will be those who are becoming more and more childlike in their parenting, who know what it is to be a child of the good shepherd of the father, who know the Lord as their shepherd. And in knowing the Lord as their shepherd, they are then working with the Lord to shepherd their children. Look, if Jesus could take any rando child, bring him in to the middle of a circle and say, this is an example of the kingdom of heaven, here's what you can believe, parents. Jesus is at work in your child already. And your job is to listen to him, walk alongside him, and work with him in parenting that child. We need to be a congregation that welcomes the gift of childhood. And parents, might you receive the gifts of childhood in your own life and be transformed by it. And might all of us, so that we enter the kingdom of heaven, become more and more humble and reliant on the one who wishes to be our Father and our Lord. Amen.